Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Unsinkable Marketing Podcast, a pop-up private podcast about diversifying your marketing. Because the further you spread out your marketing efforts, the better equipped you are to weather the storms of a crazy economy, ebbs and flows in demand, and heck, even a changing algorithm. In the first episode, I gave an overview of the four external buckets of traffic as outlined by master marketer Julie Stoyan. We've got search, social, relationship, and paid traffic. And remember, traffic just means eyes on your business. We've talked through the search and social categories of traffic in episodes two and three, so definitely go back and listen to those if you have not done so already. And in today's episode, we're going to talk all about traffic generated by relationships. So the relationship bucket of traffic is the one that converts at the highest rate for our business. And we've learned that traffic just means eyes on your business, but the behavior and the motivation of your audience and those traffic sources is going to vary from bucket to bucket. We talked in episode two how search traffic is motivated by the need to find a solution to a specific problem. These are people who are actively looking for what you offer, whether that's on Google or YouTube or wherever. In episode three, we talked about how social traffic is typically less in search of an immediate fix, but who may need or want what you offer down the road, which gives you the opportunity to win them over with multiple exposures to your brand on social media. With relationship-driven traffic, these are typically people, like search traffic, in need of a solution to a problem. And when they're coming by way of a personal recommendation, it means that you are often one of only a handful of options, maybe the only option they're considering. You're not competing with pages of Google results or the like hundreds of other posts that clog your audience's social media feeds. But let's also distinguish between the two different types of relationship traffic. So there's a difference between someone who is actively searching for a solution like, hey, Abby, I saw you had your website redesigned lately. Who did that for you? I need some work done on my website too. Can I have the name of your graphic designer? That's an active search for help versus somebody who is referring people to your products or services and talking about what you offer to an audience who already trusts them. And then folks realize, whoa, I've never heard of this, but like, yeah, I do need that. It's kind of the difference between seeking and encountering. So like putting your name on the wait list for a restaurant versus passing by and smelling the food inside and realizing you're hungry. In the end, both situations hopefully result in someone buying your products, but the way they get there and how they interact with the brand along the way are different and how motivated they are to buy, that's different too. I say this in every episode, I do not want you to hear everything I'm about to share and take it as a list of homework assignments for yourself. I've been in business for 12 years now and I have tried and failed a lot. So you're going to hear the results of what took us more than a decade to build. And relationships especially take time to build. This is a long game. So please do not put my 12 years of pressure on your own business. I want you instead to hear all of this and treat it like a menu of options and then cherry pick from that menu of what could work for you. Take maybe one tactic from today's lesson and try it out consistently for several weeks. And then once you feel like you've got a system or a routine established, or you can say, nope, that doesn't work for me, and you know that because you tried it, add in something else. Do not try to do all of this right away. That's like lighting the fuse of a firecracker. It's going to burn hot and bright for like three to five seconds, and then it's going to self-implode. Slow progress is better than no progress, okay? All right, so relationship marketing. I love this bucket of traffic because it continues to pay off when you're not actively working on it. Relationship marketing also builds your authority because it isn't just you talking about how great your services and products are. You're bringing in someone else who also believes in what you're selling. And that person already has the trust of their audience behind their words. You're harnessing the power of both authority and social proof. 
It's one thing for me to say to a client, yes, I can absolutely help support your marketing goals by creating a library of strategic, marketing-minded photos. But it can be even more powerful when my clients are the ones saying it for me, especially when those clients have authority in their respective fields. Relationship marketing will often sell a client on your work with far less effort than it takes for you to sell that same person yourself. Because when it's coming, when that recommendation is coming from someone else, it feels like there's less of a hidden motive somewhere, you know? Like, even if the person who's shouting your praises is a paid affiliate, there is less pressure for them to make a sale for a product they don't believe in because it isn't their business on the line. It's somebody else's. So when they put their skin in the game, people are more likely to take that more seriously. Relationship marketing is not, this is important, please listen to this, relationship marketing is not about manipulating others into sending business your way, and it isn't about approaching people with a, what can you do for me, mindset. Relationship marketing begins with a genuine desire for the other person's best interests. It's called benevolence. You cannot fake this. I came from the wedding industry and I can't tell you how many planners and venue owners I talked to who were sick of receiving emails from photographers asking how to get on their preferred vendor list when they'd never worked together before. When you approach with your sights set on what someone else can do for you, People can smell that, and I'm telling you, it doesn't smell good. It doesn't feel good to be approached by someone who's only looking to take for themselves. No, instead, we approach with a how-can-I-serve-you mindset, and I promise you, it will come back to you. It's going to take time. Like I said, this is a long game, but it will come back around, and we know that when it does, relationship traffic is more likely to convert because they are highly motivated, and they trust whoever it is that sent them your way. In last week's episode, I mentioned that I love putting out high quality content for our followers on social media and that I think of those as deposits into the bank of goodwill. You have to make deposits before you can attempt a withdrawal. So the same thing goes for relationship marketing. You cannot treat human beings like business ATMs. You must begin with goodwill deposits that show that you have their best interest in mind. I love what Laura Meyer had to say on this topic at the Marketer's Heart Conference that I attended earlier this year. She said that this mentality of approaching with benevolence, this is a way of life, not just a marketing tactic. When investing in relationships and approaching with their best interest in mind, we also have to make sure that when the time comes to make a withdrawal, you have got to be able to show up and do an amazing job. So when we refer a client to another business provider like a stylist and that stylist does a good job, it reflects well on me because I helped connect the client with a solution that they were actively in need of. But like if I refer a client to a service provider and they do a so-so job or even leave the client disappointed, I feel like I've let my client down and it's almost a guarantee that I will never refer out to that service provider again. So as you work to build relationships, you should also be working to ensure that your services are worth referring people to, that your work is, as Steve Martin says, so good they can't ignore you, that there isn't a question about whether or not you're up to the task, whether or not you're going to thrill your clients. This is the number one piece of advice I can offer to brand photographers who are looking to book more clients, grow their business, and create a name for themselves in their market. Be so good they can't ignore you. You've heard me mention it a few times now. I teach a course, Brand Photography Academy, and that is exactly what I teach inside BPA. How to be so good they can't ignore you. And I'm guessing, based on the fact that you're listening to this podcast on marketing, that there is something in your brand photography business you're not currently satisfied with. So if you're ready to accelerate your brand photography business and you want my help, if you're sitting there raising your hand saying like, yes, Abby, I need you to show me how to book, plan, and photograph strategic brand shoots, head on over to abbygrace.co. 
We only open access to Brain Photography Academy twice a year to the general public, typically March and September. But I know that when you're ready to get going, the concept of waiting around for twice yearly registration to open again can not only kill your enthusiasm, but it can also kill your momentum. Brain Photography Academy is my A to Z soup to nut system for booking, planning, and shooting strategic brand photos that your clients are so obsessed with they literally cannot stop referring you. So whether you're like me, like I was, looking for an off-ramp for my current industry, or maybe you're already in the brand photography niche, but things aren't going as well as you'd hoped, whatever your reason, I just don't want to make you wait to get started. So we are opening up registration for a limited time just for our podcast listeners. This is a private link that you won't find anywhere else. Head on over to abbygrace.co to get the details on Brand Photography Academy and get in during the limited window. That link one more time is abbygrace.co. You know what to do. All right, so now that we know how to approach with the other party's best interest in mind and to make sure our work is so good they can't ignore us, here's a breakdown of how we employ relationship marketing in my business. First up, referrals. I'm not talking about asking other people to refer business to me. I'm talking about being radically generous in referring our people to other experts and resources. For example, I love referring our students to Lindale Studios. The artist behind Lindale, Katrina, she creates these hand-painted backdrops and styling mats for artisans and photographers to use to up-level their photographs. Her products are, hands down, the best, best in the market, and it's really not hard to send people her way. Continuing to refer people to Lindale Studios, I do that because I want what's best for others. I want Katrina's styling mats and backdrops to sell because she is incredible at what she does. And I want to see her business grow. And then on the other side of that, I want photographers to experience how her mats and her backdrops can help take their flat lays and product photos to the next level. I don't refer people to Katrina because I want her to feel like she owes me or like because I'm getting paid for it because I'm not. It's truly because I want to help match people with solutions to problems or desires that they are experiencing. But as a result of sending people her way and talking about how much I love using her styling mats and backdrops with my own clients... It also means that I'm popping up on Katrina's radar again and again. I had the opportunity to shoot for Katrina at her home in Spain last summer, and I'm actually heading back again this year to shoot for her again. I also love referring my existing clients to products or solutions that I think they'd enjoy. One of my clients has a daughter who's a big Harry Potter fan, just like me, Hufflepuffs Unite. So when I saw that she was surprising her daughter with a trip to Universal's Wizarding World of Harry Potter, I sent her a DM, the client, I sent her a DM with some insider information on where to look for a couple of cool Easter eggs hidden throughout the park, which absolutely delighted her daughter. It cost me nothing, and it showed that I was thinking of her, and I want what's best for her. want to help her show up and be like the hero mom who knows all the cool stuff about the Harry Potter park. And again, it put me on her radar. But I didn't do it to put myself on her radar, which goes back to the whole idea that relationship marketing and making deposits into the bank of goodwill, it isn't a tactic. It is a way of being. You could take referrals in a different direction, though, and offer some kind of incentive to other business owners who refer businesses your way or who refer business or bookings or clients your way, which brings us to the next form of relationship marketing, affiliates. You see affiliate marketing a lot these days on social media, and I love it. This is like what influencer marketing is. Like they're paid by companies to put those products in front of the influencer's followers because the company knows that that influencer has a different reach than they do and that people are going to take the credibility of that influencer to make a good decision and trust her and purchase from the link and then the influencer gets like a payout from that. 
So we don't place a ton of emphasis on affiliates, but it is something I would like to do more of because there's a lot of potential there for diversified income, which you guys know I am all about spreading out. This whole podcast is predicated on diversifying your marketing, and we strive to do the same with our income streams. Affiliates generally receive a portion of the profits of the purchasers that they send your way. And the idea is that your affiliates are bringing in new buyers who otherwise would not have purchased from you directly. Maybe they needed the extra emphasis of a recommendation from somebody other than you, or they're bringing in people who've never heard of you before. Again, people who would not have purchased from you otherwise. So you're harnessing the power of another business owner's authority with their own audience. And because the affiliate is making a withdrawal from their bank of goodwill in order to sell on your behalf, they receive a portion of the profits. We've never used affiliates for my brand photography services because honestly, my clients refer me on their own without prompting. Again, this goes back to being so good, they can't ignore you. You get really freaking good at your craft and your clients are going to be the ones booking your next job for you. But when it comes to affiliates for our online courses, it's actually something we're experimenting with. Why? Because I know there are students out there who are maybe skeptical. After all, I have something to gain by them purchasing my products. But my students who sing the praises of Brand Photography Academy, they have less to gain. Listen, there's, I'm just going to call this on the carpet. There's a lot of garbage out there in the online course world. I'm sorry, I'm going to call it like I see it. Educators, these educators who make big promises with compelling, persuasive copy and a big sexy sales page only to under-deliver and make you wonder why you chose to invest in their business at the cost of yours, it's garbage. I've had enough of it, but I know that there are a lot of students out there who are disenchanted and may not take me as seriously because they've had such a bad experience with other courses. I'm so tired of that cycle. I've gotten sucked into it. I've, I will admit I've gotten sucked into it before, and maybe, maybe you have too. So before Matt and I make any sort of big purchase, I want to hear from somebody who has already used the product or service. Did it live up to the hype? Did the educator promise something and deliver on it? Was it worth the cost of admission? This is especially important if it's an educator I've never purchased from before. I don't know if I can trust them at their word. Which sucks for course creators who actually do follow through on their promises because those over-promise, under-deliver educators poison the well for those of us who are committed to marketing and selling with integrity. I'm getting off track here. Let's get back to affiliate marketing. The point here is that affiliates can help overcome the objection of an audience who thinks, "Mm, I don't know if I trust that seller to be, do, or deliver what they promised. And affiliate marketing exposes you to an audience who might otherwise never have known your name or seen your offer before. The percentage they make that the affiliate makes in terms of commission acknowledges the weight pulled by their authority and the contribution of getting your business in front of fresh eyes. It's also compensation, like I said, for that withdrawal they're making from their own bank of goodwill. Next up on our list is speaking. Speaking is an amazing way to pour into somebody else's audience and demonstrate your own expertise at the same time. And my Brain Photography Academy students know that demonstrating expertise is my main strategy when it comes to the actual content of what I post on social media. I speak in depth about that inside the course. So speaking and teaching is a fantastic way to build your authority, and it does so in front of an audience of people who may or may not already know who you are. Speaking and teaching isn't limited to someone asking you to deliver a keynote talk at their conference, though that is one of my favorite ways to share from a crowd. Put me on stage and I can sing. But it doesn't have to look like that. This could look like offering to share with your local chamber of commerce or your local Tuesdays Together group or an online summit. 
Heck, when I wanted to start speaking, I didn't wait for anyone to invite me. I partnered with a friend to host a free Q&A night at my house, and I opened up 10 to 15 spots that folks had to RSVP for. See, I had already been blogging for photographers for a couple years at that point, but I really wanted to brand myself as an educator. So I created my own opportunities before I expected other people to invite me to speak on their stages. As my business has grown and we've developed courses and digital products, I also often see a spike in new bookings for brand shoots and or a spike in people signing up for our courses. But that's not why I go into it. Again, I am approaching with their best interests at heart. How can I help teach from a stage in a way that's going to make the audience's life better or their business grow faster? For a conference organizer, how can I craft a talk that's going to make them look good for having gathered such a robust collection of experts? How can I make sure I'm representing their conference the way they want it to be seen? The new bookings and course sales are a great perk, but they're not the primary reason I do it. I'm part of a mastermind for people who market their businesses online, folks from all across different industries and all across the country. We actually have people scattered in Canada and Europe. These are not just photographers, artists, and creatives. These are people from all different industries. And at our in-person get-together last May, I had several conversations with my fellow masterminders who were really interested in what I do for my clients, but who maybe don't have the budget or the ability to fly a photographer like me in every time they need updated photos. These are business owners who are often relying on a local wedding photographer or a family photographer who's maybe great with portraits, but who doesn't understand how to approach photographs like a marketer, which is what I specialize in. They asked if I had any resources they could take and either pass on to their local photographer or resources that would help them think up an array of photographs beyond just the smiling at a laptop photos that so many photographers default to. So for our next in-person event this past November, we get together twice a year. So for the second event of 2021, I pitched a talk all about the five categories of brand visuals that business owners need to have in their back pocket. I crafted my talk with the mentality of, could a non-photographer take this information and create their own basic shot list or even hand their notes over to their local wedding or family photographer to help that photographer create a more strategic plan for their photos? Like, if you can't hire me, what's the next best solution I can give you to still achieve marketing-minded photographs without the budget of flying in a DC photographer? I wasn't teaching with the goal of booking new clients. I was teaching with the audience's best interest in mind. And yet, we ended up booking three full-day shoots and one half-day shoot in the weeks that followed, all from my fellow masterminders. I'm telling you, approach with their best interest at heart. It doesn't cost you anything, and people can detect your genuine desire for their good. Your audience wants to work with those they know, like, and trust. And when you can demonstrate that you want what's best for them, trust and liking inevitably follow. This leads beautifully into my next form of relationship marketing, masterminds and conferences. Some of the best relationships we have in our industry are a result of having spent in-person time with people at events. I mentioned that I was at the Marketer's Heart Conference earlier this year, so I loved all of the sessions that happened on stage. They had some incredible speakers, but honestly, the biggest takeaways for me, those happened during the conversations that took place between classes, at dinner, at lunch, even at like 1.30 a.m. walking back to our hotel rooms. And all that time I spent with my fellow conference attendees allowed me to better understand what they offer, what their zone of genius is, which means that the next time I encounter someone who needs what that person offers, I know exactly who to send them to. 
Conferences and masterminds are obviously two different types of gatherings. Conferences don't require a lot from attendees other than show up and absorb what's being taught from the stage. Whereas mastermind members are expected to participate and share knowledge with the group, pulling their expertise for the good of the others. But I love that attending conferences often leads to mini mastermind type conversations with those you're sitting near, those you have lunch with, your roommates, etc. It's hard to put a dollar amount on the ROI you get from these. And because of how woolly the ROI can be, many tend to discount the value of relationships. But I'm telling you, the value is there, especially if you're attending a conference or participating in a mastermind with people who fall into your target audience. My number one tip for this category is to stay curious. Ask others about themselves instead of jumping into talking about your own business or offers. Help others find solutions to the problems they're experiencing. When it comes to interacting with your fellow attendees or mastermind members, go with the goal of listening and helping, and you'll walk away with much stronger relationships than if you're just there for yourself. Bonus tip, write a handwritten thank you note to the conference or mastermind organizer to thank them and their team for the efforts. And also send notes to anyone you really enjoyed connecting with while you were there. Don't ask for anything, just thank them for their efforts and maybe mention a specific thing they did or said that was especially helpful or encouraging to you. Takes a little time to do this, but it stands out because of how few people actually do something like this. The last category that we utilize for traffic generated by relationships is collaborations. Collaborations are when two or more business owners pull their resources together, potentially sacrificing money in order to do so, because they recognize that the payoff down the road will be mutually beneficial. If you're from a wedding background like me, that includes things like styled shoots. It also involves efforts like course bundles that I'm sure you guys have seen. You know, you have like three dozen or like seven dozen course creators who come together and offer their material for a huge discount because you get like $97 for 48 courses. But because you have, let's say, three dozen people promoting each other to one another's audience, the potential for exposure to a new audience is huge. This can also take the form of pooling services together for the sake of ease for a client. So let's say your brand photography clients are constantly asking for recommendations for a hair and makeup artist. Well, what if you built out a collection that includes your favorite makeup artist? That way you're confident that your clients will look great, you're driving business to the makeup artist, and the artist will also likely drive business your way when they share their current projects on social media. The number one strategy I recommend for collaboration, especially for new brand photographers, is beta clients. This is a game changer for any photographer wanting to market their brand photography business when they don't have a full portfolio yet, or even any portfolio yet. It's the strategy so many of my Brand Photography Academy students have used to launch their business and accelerate their bookings. Beta clients are actually a combination of relationship marketing and paid marketing. Not that I advocate paying your clients to let you shoot for them, but there is an investment of time and resources on your behalf, which is why I categorize that as a hybrid between relationship marketing and paid marketing. And we're going to be talking about paid marketing in episode five next week. So sit tight because we are actually devoting all of episode six in two weeks to walking through exactly how I used beta clients to refine my offer, create a robust portfolio of solid brand photography, and confidently launch my services, get this at full price. All right, folks, that's it for today. Don't forget to head over to abbygrace.co to get the details on Brand Photography Academy. I will catch you guys next week on Unsinkable Marketing. Episode five is gonna be all about paid traffic, and even if you've never paid for an ad a day in your life, this is one you don't want to miss.